Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson. Welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, December the 13th, 2021, 702 on your Tucson Monday morning. A brisk 40 degrees outside. Brisk, uh, put a coat on before you go out there. Supposed to have some uh, weather coming in. Should be nice. Start feeling like maybe it's actually like December at some point in time during this uh, during this supposed winter that we have, winter season that we supposedly have here on Earth that we're I don't know whether you want to uh, lament the fact that you don't get to enjoy it or not, but uh, nonetheless, it's beautiful, and uh, we love it. But it's a, uh, it's a great day to be alive, as my favorite coach would always say. It's a great day to be alive. You'd scream it out at the middle of practice, and it really was. And uh, today is a great day to be alive. It's a great, ba- great day to be a sports fan. It's a great day to be a Wildcat. And uh, lots of great things happening over the weekend. As you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, and we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And lots of local to get into today, of course, with the men's basketball team coming back from Illinois in their uh, rough trip to uh, to Champaign that started off rough and got rough during the game. And nonetheless, they came out smelling like roses as they get the victory, of course, meeting the Illinois 83-79 to on Saturday afternoon. We'll talk about that. Women's basketball gets to bang the drum at McHale Center once again as the number six women's Wildcat team gut out a, uh, a victory over New Mexico 77-60. to We'll discuss some of the things that were seen and heard at the McHale Center over the weekend. There was the Arizona High School Football Championships this weekend. South Point competing for the 5A championship came up just short against a look a, a just a dominant really 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 good Horizon football program and South Point falls down early 21 nothing at half and mounted a great comeback scored 28 points in the second half but the defense just you know things just didn't go their way in the first half giving up just a few too many points and uh, they fall to the Huskies 38-28 in the 5A state championship we'll have some other updates for the uh, for the state championships, uh, you know, th- it, throughout the show as well, because uh, all, now all of the divisions have been claimed, and uh, all the way from 1A through 6A and into the Open Championship, we'll discuss some of those. Uh, possibly try to get into some of those as well. Uh, you, you know, obviously yesterday a big day in the NFL. There were some really big games that you know that we had discussed. There were. Five big games yesterday, one huge game tonight on Monday Night Football, Cardinals and Rams. Tonight, I have some takeaways from yesterday's game, yesterday's slate of games. And there was some really good and some really bad yesterday on the field. There were some interesting comebacks. And, and much like, you know, much like uh, South Point, there were some, some teams who fell behind early at halftime, were able to mount a comeback. And some of them were able to come away with a victory. Some of them not. There were some interesting things that happened in the NFL yesterday that I haven't seen in quite some time. There were three successful onside kick recoveries, which in one day, like you're lucky to see three of them 
over the span of, of six, seven weeks, let alone three in one day. Uh, that was interesting, and the kick coverage was absolutely terrible in all three of those situations. Um, there were some great performances in the NFL, great individual performances, meaning, and uh, some not-so-great individual performances. Uh, looking at you, Tyler Heineke, and, uh, or Taylor Heineke, rather. And then uh, also in the, uh, the world of uh, motorsports, the Formula One championship was held last night in Abu Dhabi. There was a lot of controversy, and I will absolutely get into that today because it's it's somewhat upsetting to me and to other, uh, you know, of course, motorsports fans that are out there. There's still a few hanging around in what was going to be a very, very exciting finish, completely ruined by F1 officials. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit later. And also... The uh, the uh, in the world of UFC, a, a completely unforeseen, monumental, some saying impossible upset occurred in the women's division, and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on as well. As you can tell, it is a very very busy Monday, and we have a a lot of uh, topics and a lot of things that I want to get into. But because we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And not because of that or sole uh, reason, but because it's also the thing that is interesting to me the most. That was the Arizona Wildcat men's basketball team getting a gritty road victory in a hostile Big Ten environment as Arizona beats Illinois in Champaign, Illinois, by a final of 83-79. to Things did not start off well for Arizona, and I'm not talking about in the game. I'm talking about at their arrival as their charter was circling Champaign-Urbana Airport looking for a way to, uh, to get on to the, to, the, uh, to the tarmac there to land the plane, they were diverted because there was horrible weather in the area. Of course, our thoughts and uh, prayers go out to everyone affected in that Midwestern area that were affected by the, uh, the tornadoes and the really just bizarre winter weather that occurred there. Um, as uh, it's feared that uh, upwards of 70-plus people have lost their lives in those uh, in those uh, tornadoes and in that uh, inclement weather. But Arizona was affected by it as well as the, the bad weather in that part of the country. As some of those tornadoes were touching down just 60, 70 miles from Champaign, Illinois itself, the Wildcats' charter was diverted to Indianapolis Airport which was a nice homecoming for Jason Gardner, uh, you know, Jay Gard, who's uh, obviously from the area, coach there uh, as well. And uh, so it was a nice little short little homecoming for them. But, you, you know, as, as I, I heard about the, the, the diversion to Indianapolis and I was like, okay, I looked it up and just kind of checking to see, you know, how far, because I I, you know, I've never traveled to, to those specific uh, cities. I don't know the distance between them. Um, looked it up, and I was like, okay, it's a couple hours, you know, a couple hours drive. So the Wildcats had arranged for, you know, tried to arrange for some buses to come pick them up. There's a lot of people on that airplane. I mean, and I mean a lot of people because uh, the Arizona Wildcat, uh, the admin staff, of course, the uh, athletic director staff, had also brought along a big uh, collection of boosters. There were upwards of 75, uh, you know, boosters on that trip as well. I've been on those trips uh, within the Pac-12 uh, where Arizona brings a lot of boosters and you know 40, 45 people, there's 75 people, additional people on that charter that Arizona had to account for. So they were trying to get buses for the players to take them to Champaign. 
they were told it was going to be several hours, uh, maybe maybe two hours at best, and that's just not good enough. You can't you can't wait two and a half three hours for the buses and then a two and a half hour drive to Champaign on those buses. Well, they wouldn't be getting in to their hotel until midnight or later, uh, which is just not going to work. So T.J. Benson, the uh, the, the director of operations, Tommy's uh, right-hand man when it comes to that kind of stuff. T.J. Benson went to work, and T.J. was able to, uh, I guess, coerce. And now they're saying Uber, but T.J. tweeted out yesterday that it was actually Lyft, uh, the, the company Lyft, the, the pink mustache people, um, that was uh, that was the company that he called and was able to negotiate some some work with, essentially, to be able to get some drivers to take them from Indy Airport all the way into Champaign. So they took five lift rides in, from the airport into Champaign, and that's how the, the trip essentially began for the Arizona men's basketball team. Not optimal. Um, I can tell you that, I, look, I've never been in that situation with the team before. I've been in a situation where I was traveling and uh, with with a team. I was traveling with a team, not the Arizona Wildcats team, nothing on that level. Um, the, and we had some, you know, we had some travel problems. It's it's difficult to deal with as, as a player because you're, you, you know, you're like, well, you know, you you have this this sense of angst, of course, and you know you. If you're 18, 19, 20 years old, that angst is certainly going to be a little bit more elevated because you're young and, and you know, minutes pass by like hours. And, of course, everybody gets a little impatient. So that was a difficult situation there for the, uh, for the Wildcats players to deal with, more difficult than I think people are, are letting on. However, things got taken care of. Wildcats got to their, their uh, hotel, and they were able to get up the next day for a big game against Illinois. Now – in regards to the game itself, Arizona had a lot of adversity to overcome there. I mean, they, they saw some things from Illinois that they had not seen this year, namely some ridiculously efficient three-point shooting as Trent Frazier and Will Plummer, and look, Will Plummer, Alfonso Plummer, uh, who, a, a player that some of the Wildcats may have been familiar with from his time at Utah, uh, were just uh, – Trent Frazier couldn't miss – I even texted my buddy. I'm like, somebody needs to tell Trent Frazier that he's Trent Frazier and not Steph Curry. This is ridiculous. He just couldn't miss. He was just raining down threes in the first half. And Illinois was, I don't want to say dominating the game, but they were really taking control of that basketball game because of their three-point shooting. They were also playing some defense that was causing the Wildcats some trouble, closing down a lot of the passing lanes that the Wildcats are used to because – Illinois plays that style of defense, that really, really hard, in-your-face, man-to-man defense. They do not let players go. They don't switch on screens. If, if you're assigned to a man, you stick with that man. You, you climb on him like a, you know, like a backpack. They are a, uh, just a, a full-cover, man-to-man type of defensive team, which the Wildcats have not seen this year. It's very difficult to play against a team like that because – for Arizona, who moves the ball so quickly and have great athletes, if you can't get proper separation from your man and you don't have the time that it takes when a team switches, let's say, or there's separation because of the switch, because you can't just switch when you're stuck to a guy. Uh, that, that, you know, there's, first of all, there's no reason to. Second of all, it's really going to mess up the defense. you got to scramble after you switch, so it doesn't make sense. 
So you play you play off a little bit when you play that switching style defense, like the Warriors have played under Steve Kerr during their time. So those open up opportunities for Arizona to get those passes to up their assist numbers, and that's how Arizona does it. That's their bread and butter. That's that's how they go to work. Last night, or uh, Saturday afternoon, rather, was that was not the case. Arizona had their lowest assist output of the season. They were actually out-assisted by Illinois in that game, 14-12. to 12. So a, a, a very uncomfortable situation for this team who came into that game uh, 8-0 and and playing a, a certain style that they had been accustomed to. That style was shut down. They had to find other ways to get it done. Benedict Matherin got it done. Uh, uh, once again, Benedict Matherin was the best player on the floor. He is having a tremendous month of December, and he had another huge game on Saturday afternoon, 30 points, 7 rebounds. He was 10 of 16 from the field, 5 of 8 from beyond the arc, which is, you know, we all know Ben can shoot. We, you know, kind of expect him to be a sub-40%, like 39 to 40%. We'll just put it that way. Look, if he can shoot 40% from three, uh, Arizona is not going to have much problem winning every game they play this year. I mean, that's just that's just straight honesty right there. If you shoot that well, uh, one player can shoot that well, you know, and you have so many other options, Arizona's going to be unstoppable. Uh, he was also 5 of 6 from the free throw line, but 5 of 8 from beyond the arc, and he was just explosive in the fast break game. You know, Arizona dominated the fast break game uh, in that uh, in that particular contest. A ton of fast break points, even though Illinois is a team that, look, you know, they they run out with uh, with some great athletes. You know, there's no doubt about it. That's a that's a that's a well built team. Uh, you get look at the, the likes of like a Kofi Coburn, um, and then obviously you know Trent Frazier is a great athlete. Uh, the uh, the other guy, their their number four, their four guy. Um, I can't remember his name either, uh, but he was, you know, he's a heck of a player too. Hawkins, thank you, Coleman Hawkins. Uh, as I look here through my uh, uh, through my uh, notes here, Coleman Hawkins, uh, another really good athlete, didn't have much effect in the game. In fact, only played uh, 12 minutes in that game, and I think that's just because the, the matchups were just not in you know in in the favor there. So fast break points, Arizona wins that edge 18 to three, and it just shows you the difference in athletes between what Arizona ran out there and what Illinois out, ran out there. Brad Underwood, head coach of the Illini, said after the game, he had a lot of praise for Arizona, first of all. He said uh, he, he said of Benedict Matherin, he goes, if you want to see an NBA player, that's an NBA player. He pointed out just how dominant Benedict Matherin was. He also talked about it was, it was just a total loss on Illinois' part in regards to matchups that they just did not match up against Arizona. And I think watching the game and talking with some people – uh, during afterwards, seeing the reactions from some of the some of the fans on uh, on Twitter, there was a, a lot of discussion about Kofi Coburn was taking over the game. He was dominant inside. He was destroying Christian Coloco. La da 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 da. And then you, the dust settles, and you look at it. He was five of fifteen from the field. He did have thirteen rebounds, but he scored well below his season average in points. He also had five turnovers in the game. Did have one big block shot in the game. Not a not a huge deal. Um, I think people were thinking that like he was dominating the game, and he really wasn't. And I, I think that what Arizona did on him defensively 
was the reason that Arizona won this game. Arizona just said, look, we are not going to let Kofi Coburn destroy us and win this game. And there were some opportunities for Kofi once Illinois started shooting the three with just a ridiculous pace, um, 45% for the for the game from the three-point line is, is insane. Um, so that opened some things up for him inside where Arizona had to go one-on-one. But even in those situations, you know, he only had a couple of spurts where he would get a couple of buckets, and then Arizona's athleticism just ran him out of the gym. He played 33 minutes, which is a lot of minutes for a guy of Kofi's size, and I thought Arizona did a, a, a phenomenal job inside it, and we'll talk about that in just a moment because of just how dominant Arizona was inside the paint, both offensively and defensively. Also want to mention Kirk Creesa, who did not have a great first half. I don't think there's uh, anyone that watched that game that would feel otherwise. He had two points at halftime, two turnovers. It wasn't, it wasn't looking good. Uh, Arizona's point guard was not having the type of game that you would hope from your point guard on the road, uh, a guy who has been improving, and, and we really have seen Kerr improve week to week throughout this season. He came out in the second half a completely different player. I don't know what was said to him in the in the locker room at halftime, if anything was said to him at all, or if he just took it upon himself to be the best that he could be in the final 20 minutes of that game. But he scored 17 points in the second half, had only two turnovers in the second half, dropped a few dimes in there, grabbed eight rebounds in the game. And honestly, you know, his his back-to-back threes at the 14-and-a-half and the 13-and-a-half mark put Arizona ahead 52-50. They were down 50-46. to 46. Kofi uh, Coburn had just converted, I think, it was either one of two or two of two free throws. He, he was only three of six for the game. Um, it was either one of two or, or two of two on, on the, at the free throw line. They're down, uh, they're down 50 to 46. They come down. Uh, Benedict Matherin finds, uh, finds Kerr on the wing. Kerr launches the three, goes in. Then Arizona gets a stop. They come back down the floor. Kerr with the ball just w- w- runs right up to the three-point line and pops a shot, and it goes in. Back-to-back threes, put them up 52-50. That was a nice little run for the Wildcats there. But I thought what really the difference was in Kerr's game was his decisions at certain moments to take his shots. It wasn't the amount of points he scored. It's when he scored them. Now, I went back and I looked. Kerr Kreese's shots on three separate occasions – ended some sort of in an Illinois run. Illinois would go on a run. It was, you know, a 7-0 run, an 8-2 run, something like that, where they had, you know, wrestled the lead back. Arizona had the, you know, the, 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 the got the early lead in there in the second half, and Illinois would go on a run to get back up by four or five points. Sometimes, I think, I think at one point it got to seven in the second half for Illinois. But on three separate occasions, Kerr scored to end an Illinois scoring run. Now, on these occasions, there were also the same, on the same three separate occasions, Kerr scored again on the next possession. So, and this is, these are all under the 10-minute mark. This is, with, this is not even including the back-to-back threes that he hit uh, at the 14-and-a-half and the 13-and-a-half mark of the second half. After the 12-minute, or after the 10-minute mark, rather, he had three separate occasions where he made back-to-back buckets 
that not only ended an Illinois run, but then got Arizona to within one possession or tied and or made a lead change. I'll say that again. Three separate occasions where the first time he scored ended the run. It was a 5-0 run, whatever have you, 4-0, little, little runs okay, that, that got Illinois out to another lead. His bucket, he took it upon himself to make a shot, and some of them were ridiculously tough shot, running right-handed floaters in the lane, uh, a, a kind of a reverse layup that looked more difficult than it was, or that was more difficult than it looked, I should say. It three times ended the run and then came back on the next possession and scored another bucket that either gave Arizona the lead or tied the game. Those were absolutely huge moments in that game. It happened three times under the 10-minute mark, and that's why Kirk Carissa, uh, in my opinion, was the MVP of the game. Regardless of the great game that Benedict Matherin had, which we talked about with his 30 points and 8 rebounds, I thought Azulis Tobelis played a phenomenal game. He kept Arizona in the game in the first half. Uh, without without Tobelis playing as hard as he was in the first half, Arizona's probably down 10, 12, maybe at halftime. He was, he was fantastic uh, in the first half, and he was really, really tough defensively on Kofi Coburn. Um, and I thought he, he, was, he played a great game as well. Uh, aside from, you know, from all the contributions that were made, I thought Kerr was the MVP of the team for that game not just because of his second-half comeback from, a, uh, from a, a poor first half, but just the, the moments at which he decided to take over the game. And, I, and I, you know, I've, I've discussed this with a good friend of mine who played at Arizona, played for Lou Dolson. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and we talk a lot of basketball. And you know, we're both watching the game. We're texting back and forth. And over the, you know, over the course of this season – I think I've sent him probably like three text messages where I just make a, a passing comment, and it's just like I love Kerr's instincts. Like his instincts to me just kind of jump off of the screen. When you watch him play, it's just like he's got good instincts. He's got great intentions. He's got really, really good instincts. Sometimes he makes poor ultimate decisions with you know, with a, a rushed jump shot or maybe a contested type of jump shot. But his instincts, when he really focuses and bears down, they, that's when his game really shines. And in the second half of the Illinois game, his instincts were spot on. I, I mean, he was nearly flawless in the second half, and that's the reason why Arizona's coming back with that victory. And we'll wait and see what the AP looks like. We've got some rankings here in the uh, Ken Palm and the net that are very, very inspiring for this basketball team, and we'll talk about that next coming up after the break as, uh, as we have some, some uh, fun – metrics to look at when talking about uh, this Arizona Wildcat basketball team. Now, one of our co-workers, as you may know, Miguel, is raising money to help the children in some of our most needed areas here in Tucson. He's raising money to buy toys for some of the poorest families in southern Arizona. And if you can make a donation to his Christmas cause, you can go to ESPNTucson.com and uh, make a kid's Christmas a very merry one, and we appreciate your uh, your benevolence and uh, your charity at this time of year. Of course, uh, a very difficult time for some of our families there in Tucson and Southern Arizona. More Wildcat men's basketball next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So, a couple of big differences in the game 
for Arizona against Illinois on Saturday. The Cats, number one, they won the battle in the paint by a score of 42 to 16. First of all, a disparity of 26 points in the paint is almost always going to lead to a victory for that team on the plus side. Uh, 26 points in the paint advantage is nearly insurmountable unless your team just launches so many three-pointers that you overcome the disparity in paint points. But for Arizona to limit Illinois to only 16 points in the paint when you've got one of the best post players in the entire country in Kofi Coburn is remarkable. The other the other key point in this game to me was that even though the turnovers were relatively equal, the the Fox announcers were like, man, the Illinois turnovers are just getting out of hand. They've got way too many turnovers. They had two more turnovers than Arizona did, 16 to 14. The Wildcats just made those turnovers look a lot worse than Illinois was able to because Arizona scored 25 points off of those 16 Illinois turnovers. Meanwhile, Illinois was able to get plus value on theirs, 16 uh, points off of the 14 Arizona turnovers, but a plus nine for Arizona when they were only plus two uh, in the turnover battle. They were plus nine in points off of turnovers, which is, I mean, you know, major, major difference in the game. Now, you can talk about Arizona's offense all you want, and people have, right? I mean, it's, it's been the, the, the talk of the town uh, in regards to uh, what Arizona does offensively. You know, we, we understand that they are one of the top-scoring teams in the country. They're one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country. They're number four in tempo. If you're looking at Ken Palm rankings, they're number four in tempo. They're number two in average possession length, meaning that they get a ball, you know, they get, they get a shot off faster than 356 teams in the country. Their field goal percentage, 25% uh, is the effective field goal percentage, which is 25th in the country. Uh, They're a phenomenal offensive rebounding team, and they get a ton of second-chance points. Arizona, though, is number one in the country, number one in the country, in two-point field goal percentage defense. Number one. Teams are shooting inside the arc against Arizona 38% on the season. That is absolutely remarkable. 38% they are holding teams in what you would consider the most efficient, the most makeable shots in basketball. They're number one in the country in defense in that aspect. They're also a top 10 team in block shots. They have a, an insane assist ratio over teams, uh, how many assists they, they, uh, they get and how many assists they give up. This team's defense is what is separating them and making them so dominant right now in the early part of this season. Without defense like that, they're playing games in a, in a lot tighter games than they have been. They're not beating teams by 50, 40. They're not beating good teams by 36 points. They're not uh, blowing Michigan out by 20 points in a neutral site. They're not going on, uh, going into Illinois and erasing a 13-point deficit in a matter of two and a half minutes, which is what it took Arizona to do 
without playing defense like that. If you don't get stops, if you don't make things difficult on opposing teams to score the basketball, if you, once you get down, it becomes a real difficult proposition to try to get back in that game. Number one in defensive two-point percentage. And when you look at when you look at the game on Saturday, 16 points in the paint for Illinois. They shot 38% right on the number of Arizona's season average inside the paint, and they were 5 of 13 on bunnies. Shots that were taken inside the charge circle. 5 of 13, 38%. It's consistent. It travels, and they are absolutely dominating the paint defensively. And when you have a team that is that good defensively in the paint, it scares the living bejesus out of opposing teams because it's like, well, they've got nine games in. They played three really good basketball teams and a couple of other good basketball teams. They couldn't score inside. One of them had an All-American as a center. They couldn't score. What on earth are we going to do? Oh, by the way, Arizona also averages 90 points a game offensively. What in the hell are we going to do against them? That's, what, that's the message that Arizona sends right now with how they've played through their first nine games. Remarkable. The Arizona rankings right now, Ken Palm, they're number seven in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, one spot ahead of UCLA, and they're the number one net team in the country, the NCAA's metric for uh, assessing teams' quality of wins, quality of schedule, and uh, with their games over against Wyoming and Illinois, their strength of schedule jumped from 300 to number 151 in the country. And it's about to get up even higher because they got two good teams coming into McHale Center this week, and then they travel to take on Tennessee in Knoxville on December 22nd. So going up, then USC, then UCLA. So that number is going to continue to climb. And if they can continue to play at this level, oh, boy. We're talking, you know, top three, top two ranking in the country. Again, not that I care about rankings all that much. They look good on paper. Looks good with that high, no, you know, really low number next to your name. But it puts a huge target on your back, which also isn't so great either. Women's basketball got a, got a win uh, yesterday at the McHale Center. We'll talk about that next. Plenty of other local things to get into. Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy in college football. And lots and lots of NFL action to get into as well. Plenty more to do here on ESPN Tucson, it's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Turn every Tuesday into payday with TNT Tuesdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose because FanDuel is going to give all customers $10 back every Tuesday. All you have to do is bet $10 or more on a same-game parlay on any NBA on on TNT game. So check the schedule for TNT tomorrow night. Pick the game that you want to bet an SGP on. Throw $10 on it. Win or lose, you get $10 back. Uh, SGPs let you combine, if you're not familiar, they let you combine certain props like player props, point spread, money line, all kinds of other things, lots of different NBA market options to throw in there on an SGP. And for as little as $10 on the uh, on the action there, you get $10 back, which is awesome. You can root for your favorite players, and it's a chance to win. Uh, bet small 
and uh, win big because the odds get higher and higher. Like a DeAndre Ayton and one, it's the perfect way to turn your small bet into a big-time score. And win or lose, you're guaranteed $10 added to your account. Of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is so easy to use. Uh, the deposits are easy. It's easy to find your bets in the uh, in the ledger on uh, active and settled bets as well. Uh, there's plenty of live betting going on, and all of your transactions are safe and secured. When you get paid, you get paid in as little as two hours. So get $10 back every Tuesday, win or lose, with TNT Tuesdays. And if you're new to FanDuel, just sign up with my promo code, DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 and make every moment more this NBA season. But make sure you use my promo code DEAN to get that $1,000 risk-free bet. 21 or over, a present in Arizona. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max bonus is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Speaking of FanDuel, it wasn't uh, a great weekend in the Dean household for, well, I'll put it this way. NBA and NHL keeping me afloat this weekend because NFL was a complete disaster. Um, thankfully for my lock of the week that I made on Friday, I was able to uh, cash that ticket. But my uh, my Friday five parlay did not go so well. We'll talk about that coming up in our NFL segment. Some close, some really close games. I got so close on some of them and then, a blocked PAT in the Dallas-Washington game kind of ruined a part. Like a blocked PAT. Come on. All right. So it wasn't a great weekend, but, hey, we'll bounce back tonight. I've got a great play for tonight for the Monday Night Football. I'll put that up on my Twitter, at UAZ Voice, uh, after the show, before, we, uh, before the Monday Night Football game kicks off. Women's basketball was able to bang the drum at the McHale Center last night, or yesterday afternoon, I guess I should say, as uh, they beat New Mexico. The Lobos were, uh, were, were pretty feisty in that game. Uh, they, they were shooting a ton of threes. They played a, uh, they played a zone defense, which tried to get Arizona, to, you know, they're trying to get Arizona into shooting a ton of threes, which Adia Barnes isn't, you know, her teams really aren't uh, uh, accustomed to. They, they attempt, what, 36 three-pointers in the game, which is a season high, maybe even a, uh, a coaching high for uh, for Adia Barnes. And she goes, I don't typically have a team that shoots 36 threes. And she's right. You know, U of A's, uh, you know, Adia Barnes' teams usually dominate inside, will mix it in with some three-pointers. Um, and there was some, you know, there, there was some really good play. Kate Reese and Sam Thomas played extremely well. Elena Pueyo played great. Uh, Coy Love came off the bench, was uh, was really, really good. But it was a freshman coming off the bench who really provided the spark that Arizona needed against that zone defense. Madison Connor, the freshman, comes storming off the bench to drain five three-pointers and led the team in scoring. She scored 15 points in the game, draining five threes. Now, uh, a good friend of mine, she took her, uh, her daughter to the game. Now, her daughter is a senior up here and is a basketball player and a pretty darn good one at that. And uh, her daughter's actually really close friends. They went to school together uh, with Madison Connor. So it was a real treat for uh, my friend and her daughter to go see their friend, uh, Madison Connor, come off the bench and uh, lead the team in scoring. And it was a huge five three-pointers uh, off the bench for the uh, for the freshman, so she got some uh, some much needed uh, playing time for the Wildcats. As normally, you know, she doesn't get that that kind of playing time, but played 20 minutes in the game yesterday and was a huge a uh, huge shot in the arm for the uh, women's Wildcat team in front of 9,000 fans at McHale Center. 
Uh, I believe it's the biggest crowd they've seen this year. Uh, tremendous crowd at the McHale Center. It was raucous. I talked to um, I talked to someone from uh, from the the department and uh, said that it was it was great. It was like the loudest women's game uh, that they've been to in a while. And then they handed the uh, the mallet or I, 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 whatever you call it, the, uh, the the huge drumstick, whatever you want to call the thing, to the freshman uh, Madison Connor. She was able to bang that drum for the women's Wildcat team. And now the six ranked Wildcats, and we'll see if if they move at all. Uh, I don't know if there's much room for movement, especially after the long layoff and a win over New Mexico. Uh, the top five in the women's division, I believe, stayed pretty uh, pretty status quo. Uh, but now they head up the hill. They're going to take on NAU in Flagstaff on Friday, followed by that big neutral site game in Las Vegas as they take on number 11 Texas in that game against uh, against the Longhorns in Vegas. So they're going to be looking for that. And, again, you know, I talked about it last week. This is a big-time revenge game for Texas. Arizona went in there two years ago, went into Austin when Texas was a top-ranked team. Uh, and they went in there and they just smoked the Longhorns. I think they beat well, they beat them by th- with a 32 or 34 points. I think that was Arizona's statement win that year, and really kind of the win in my opinion that propelled this program to greater heights. They then went on to win the NIT national championship, of course, that year, and then used that as a as a springboard to last year's run at a national championship matchup against Stanford. So. In my opinion, that's like that was the game. That was the big turning point for Adia Barnes's program was that huge win in Austin over Texas, and I'm sure Texas remembers that. And they're going to be looking to exact revenge in Vegas uh, next uh, next Sunday. So that should be a good one. I'm looking forward to that. Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy in what may be the most underhyped Heisman race in recent history. Like it's not even on the front page of ESPN. Uh, it's not on the front page of really any of the sports sites. That's how just kind of, I don't want to say underappreciated, but it just it, it was completely under the radar this year. Like normally the Heisman Trophy is a big thing. Everybody's talking about it, and it just was so lackluster this year. And then, to boot, Bryce Young goes and makes this idiotic statement during his acceptance speech talking about how he's always been doubted and he's always been the underdog and people have always – you know, he, he's had to overcome a ton of adversity in his life. <sighs> this card, look, if if you're going to play that card, you better be truthful. Like, you better be sincere with it. Because Bryce Young comes from a fairly affluent family in Southern California. Has the, basically was the number rated number one rated quarterback in the state of California for two years. Had a five-star placed on him after his junior season uh, in, in high school. I talked to a, a buddy of mine who is in coaching and, and coaches uh, seven-on-sevens. And there was a tournament uh, about a year and a half ago in Southern California, and he was telling me about Bryce Young. He's like, look, there's some really good players in this tournament. And he goes, there's this kid named Bryce Young. He's a superstar. Like, he's he could go play in the NFL tomorrow, I think, and probably have some success. Like, he, he there's nobody there's nobody in the state anywhere close to as talented as he is. So, making your statement during the Heisman Trophy speech saying how you've always been doubted and you've had to overcome a lot of adversity, uh, people are going to keep receipts when, when, you know, when you say things like that. 
And the people have already taken to the interwebs, of course, and, and have been like, oh, yeah, it's um, real tough to overcome that, uh, you know, having, you know, a two-parent home and, and a nice neighborhood in Southern California and being recruited by basically every top Power 5 football program in the country and being the number one recruit in the country. Yeah, look, look don't play that card if you haven't really had to overcome adversity. Now, I, I don't know what happened before high school, but uh, certainly in, in his, uh, you know, 15 through 18 years uh, of age, he didn't have to overcome any adversity. He was the best player on the field at any given point in time, whatever he was doing in the state of California. And now he's a Heisman Trophy winner with a team in the CFP in Alabama. So um, <laughs> just be careful. These kids just, you know, they get a little sideways on things and start throwing out some cliches. And people don't want to hear it if you if you haven't lived that life. So, uh yeah, so congratulations to Bryce Young, but maybe think about what you're uh, what you're writing in your acceptance speech uh, moving forward because uh, there are going to be other acceptance speeches for Bryce Young. He's an extremely talented player. He's in a great program, and he's going to continue to win games and awards. So uh, he's not going away anytime soon, that's for damn sure. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, the Arizona High School Football Championship results in uh, you know 1A through 6A and in the Open Division, those have all been settled. We'll talk about that. And, of course, South Point um, getting, their, uh, getting their chance at the, uh, at the state championship uh, over the weekend as well. Join Spears and Ali for Monday Night Football as they broadcast live from the famous Sam's at River and La Choya tonight. They'll be there from 3 to 6. And then, of course, the big Cardinals-Rams game following that. It's a clean and friendly spot for friendly, uh, family and friends to hang out with you to watch the game lots of tvs plenty of beers on tap at the famous sam's and of course all the delicious food there as well join spears and ali today famous sam's river and lachoya from three to six followed by some monday night football right here on espn tucson more from the jeff dean show next the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson more of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the dust has settled on the 2021 edition of Friday Night Lights in the state of Arizona. Your 1A bracket winner, Muggion. They won over St. David in the championship game. In the 2A championship, it was Arizona Lutheran Academy winning over Morenci. In the 3A final, a slobber knocker, Snowflake, playing their type of game. They're, uh, they're always a phone booth type of team. They beat Yuma Catholic, two really good 3A programs, actually. Uh, that was a 10-3 game in the final. Then we move on to the, uh, to the bigger games, of course, in, uh, in the 4A final. It was Casa Grande, the number two ranked team in 4A, beating out Post and Butte. A uh, buddy of mine, the, uh, the coach at Post and Butte, uh, 33-28 final uh, over the weekend. Sal Point comes up just short. The number two ranked Lancers comes up just short to uh, Horizon 38-28 in the 5A championship game. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Sal Point falls down 21-0 at half. Scores 28 second half points, but it just wasn't enough to overcome the uh, the big deficit at halftime. In the 6A championship, it was Highland who dominated the, uh, the 6A division, just narrowly missed out on getting into the open division. They dominated number two Chaparral 31-10 in the 6A final. And then in the open final, the little engine that could, and I say that with a very, very distinct tongue-in-cheek, as 4A school Sawaro, who was the number five ranked team in the open uh, the open division, beats Chandler 20-15 to 
in the Open to uh, to win the Open Division Championship and the uh, the ultimate state champion, I guess, uh, if, if you want to call it that. Uh, Zoharo, who will be moving from 4A to 6A, making the big jump uh, next season. Uh, but look, this is a this is a program who has continued to just be ridiculously impressive. Congratulations to their head coach Jason Mons on winning the state championship. They went through one hell of a gauntlet in the open uh, in the open bracket to get there. They beat Cactus in the opening round. Cactus was previously undefeated. Really, really good football team this year. They smoked Cactus in the opening round. Then they beat number one ranked Hamilton in the semifinals, and then beat. You know, obviously, consistently nationally ranked Chandler in the final. 20-15 to 15 is the final there. They're able to hold Chandler to 15 points in that game. Very impressive performance by the uh, the 4A division. Saguaro Sabercats, your open state champions. And there you go. Congratulations to all the winners. Congratulations to all the players that uh, played in high school football this year. I love me some high school football. Already looking forward to the 2022 season. All right, hour number one in the books. Coming up in hour number two, the Dean's List and the Dunce List going to be leading off the 8 o'clock hour and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. Plenty of NFL and uh, plenty of sports talk next on a quick two-minute turnaround here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.